0: Spiritual communion. Union with God, this is the heart of Christian living. Living to become holy is the work of God in our soul. It's a purpose of our Christian life. And our Lord said it time and again: Sineme, without me, you can bear no fruit unless. You are grafted unto our Lord. Can the branch bear the grapes if it is not united to the vine? Christian life therefore is essentially union with God. Among all the means which God offers us to produce and increase this union, the first and most efficacious is Holy Communion. There are many quotes from the speech of our Lord at Capernaum on the bread of life, the discourse on the bread of life taken from Saint John chapter 6, which brings out this great truth very forcefully. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the Father lives, who sent me, and I live with the Father, so he who eats me will live by me. He who eats me will live by me. Can we imagine a more intimate, a more profound union This is Holy Communion, the most excellent means of Christian perfection. We agree on this. And therefore, many spiritual writers recommend frequent communion ever since the beginning of the Church. Here is a quote of St. Augustine in the early 5th century, just a century and a half, not even two centuries after the catacombs, after the Christian persecutions. St. Augustine says, It is our daily bread. Receive it daily, so that it may profit you daily. Indeed, daily we feel the need of this wondrous remedy, invented by the infinite goodness which wipes out the remnants of sin in us, which gives us to love more and more and to live more and more of the very life of God. We never understand how much our soul profits by this daily union with the divine victim on our altars. Let those who have this grace of going to daily Mass thank the divine providence and make good use of it. What a pity for a soul if it would thirst and its thirst would be still unquenched after having approached the fountain of life. However, many times, it's not possible to come to church and receive communion sacramentally because of distance or because of a duty of state or some other reason. It could be due also to some other odd circumstance which prevents us from going to church on Sunday Mass, as in the case of sickness. If we cannot receive sacramental communion. Here is a very simple means to participate in the fruits of Holy Communion, spiritual communion. Here is the way Saint Francis de Sales explained this spiritual communion. When you cannot have the benefit of the real communion at Mass, make at least a communion in mind, in your heart, by uniting your soul to this life-giving flesh of the Saviour through an ardent desire. It's a beautiful quote, which is worth repeating, of St. Francis de Sales. When you cannot have the benefit of the real communion at Mass, make at least a communion in mind and in your heart, by uniting your soul to this life-giving flesh of the Saviour through an ardent desire. Real communion and spiritual communion, how are they the same? How are they different? What's this all about? Yet we need to understand that in the Holy Eucharist, there's a twofold union with God, sacramental and spiritual. The sacramental, physical or real, this is the same here when we speak of the Blessed sacrament, the physical, real or sacramental communion occurs when we receive our Lord really present in the flesh and blood. The body, blood, soul, and divinity are really present as in a tabernacle. When we come out of the communion table, we are like a Cyborgian. We carry within ourselves our Lord, my Lord, and my God. The spiritual union, on the other hand, is the union of the soul with God, which flows from this sacramental union, like the effect flows from the cause. And before we explain the fruits of this spiritual communion, let me read to you the Council of Trent, which explains how people receive the blessed sacrament, but in different ways. Is quote, they are quoting here, the Council of Trent is quoting the Fathers, the Fathers of the Church. They have taught that some receive it sacramentally only as sinners, unworthy people going to the communion table. Others only spiritually, namely those who eating with desire the heavenly bread set before them, by a living faith which worketh with charity, perceive its fruits and usefulness. That's a spiritual communion without being a sacramental communion. While the third category receive it both sacramentally and spiritually. And these are they who prove and prepare themselves previously that are clothed with the wedding garment and approach this divine table. This is a quote from the Council of Trent, explaining to us here how they differ, those two ways of receiving communion, sacramentally and spiritually. So I mentioned that the spiritual union, the spiritual communion of soul the soul with God flows from the sacramental communion like the effect from the cause. Union means communion, means that compenetration of the creator with or in the creature. An unfathomable mystery, a marvelous invention of God's goodness. Recall again the word of Christ. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. The soul which dwells in Christ, which is spiritually united to Christ, to God, this soul is given a strengthening of the bonds of charity with our Lord. The will is confirmed, strengthened in virtue, whereas the bonds of sin are loosed The attachment to vice is diminished. The promise of Christ is fulfilled. He who eats my flesh will live by me. Moreover, this intimate presence of our Lord is not something passing, transitory. Whereas the real sacramental presence of Jesus in the soul of the communicant lasts only as long as the Eucharistic species are in our body. On the other hand, the spiritual union of the soul with God is prolonged with no time limit. Each new communion revives the union, increases it, and renews its wonderful fruits in the soul. The Eucharistic communion works in us this twofold union sacramental and spiritual by virtue of the sacrament. What I'm saying here is that the sacrament in and of itself will, by its virtue, by the virtue of the sacrament of communion we are receiving, produce the sacramental union as well as the spiritual union, inseparable in the soul of the just receiving communion. However, the spiritual communion works this union with God without the sacramental union. This is the way Council of Trent defines it here. To receive communion spiritually is to unite to Jesus Christ present in the Holy Eucharist, not by receiving him sacramentally, but by a desire which comes from a living faith which works for charity. Indeed, God is not bound to his sacraments. He can bypass, shortcut the signs, the sacraments, and produce the grace in the soul directly. When a sacrament cannot be given, just think of baptism, but efficacious desire may make up for it the sacrament is a visible sign which produces divine grace and is an efficient cause of grace. But the efficient desire provides a sacramental grace without passing through the sign. And therefore the spiritual communion provides us with the sacramental Eucharistic grace without having that physical, real, sacramental communion. So properly speaking, we can give a definition, if you wish, of the spiritual communion, it consists in the actual desire of communion, of union, with the Eucharistic Christ. This is pretty much what St. Francis de Sales was saying, unites our soul. this life-giving flesh of the Saviour through an ardent desire. Now, This was the practice of so many souls out there. Keep in mind, the quantity of water we can draw from the fountain depends on the size of the jar, of the jug we are carrying. Hunger and thirst for the Eucharistic Christ, this is what really defines the quality, the effect, the, the amount, if you want, of grace we're getting from the spiritual communion. Now, the more we work on this hunger and thirst for the Eucharistic Christ, the faster we would become saints. Saint Catherine of Siena, Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint Michaela of the Blessed Sacrament, were so hungry and thirsty to receive the Holy Communion, that they were ready to go through many torments and perils to receive the divine food. This was the fruit of sanctity in them. This was also the cause of their eminent sanctity. Because they were holy, they were thirsty for Christ. Because they were thirsty and hungry for the Eucharistic Christ, they were more and more holy. That's what I'm saying here. Concretely, what's the practice of this exercise? It's going to be very straightforward, very simple. What do we do normally before Holy Communion? Well, we prepare ourselves for the spiritual communion the way we would prepare ourselves for uh, sacramental communion. We must receive our Lord as a friend, greets a friend. Thus, we need to banish from our souls Christ's enemies, sin and the occasion of sin. We also need to make, or to form, a good intention, as pure as can be. Here is a prayer here taken from the book Blessed Be God, page 37, to form a good intention. It's a prayer. Almighty and merciful God, grant unto me joy with peace, amendment of life, space for true repentance, the grace and comfort of the Holy Ghost, perseverance in good works, a contrite and humble heart, and a happy consummation of my life, granted to me, O Lord. Amen. So with this formulating, I guess, of the good intention, with this wish to receive a friend, to greet our Lord as a friend. The Church recites, of course, the Confiteur before sacramental communion. We may simply do the same. If we had the misfortune of losing the state of grace, we certainly need to make an act of contrition as perfect as possible. And bear in mind that Because it is not a sacramental communion, with a spiritual communion, confession is not absolutely necessary. What is needed is only to make a perfect contrition with a desire to go to confession as soon as possible. During communion, we recite an act of desire and there are many prayers we can find, of course, in the Racolta, which tells us of so many litanies of, uh, of prayers that we can use. I just call to mind here, the beautiful spiritual communion of Saint Alphonsus de Ligori. Which is on Christian warfare page 83. Quote, "'My Jesus, I believe that thou art really present in the most blessed sacrament. I love thee above all things, and I desire to possess thee within my soul. Since I cannot now receive thee sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. As though thou wert already there, I embrace thee, I unite myself wholly to thee. Permit not that I should ever be separated from thee. May the body of our Lord Jesus Christ keep my soul unto everlasting life. Amen. I may read to you also, if you don't mind, the oblation of St. Ignatius of Loyola, which could be also added on to that spiritual communion. Come to me, O Lord. And then, it's on page 69 of the same Christian warfare book, the prayer of St. Ignatius. Take, O Lord, and receive all my liberty. My memory, my understanding, my entire will, all that I have and possess, thou hast given all to me, to thee, O Lord, I return it. All is thine, dispose of it wholly according to thy will. Give me thy love and thy grace, with these I am rich enough, and I ask for nothing more. we may always make a more personal prayer coming from the heart and tell God how much we want to be one with him. And after this spiritual desire, ardent desire of the soul to be in communion with our Lord, the soul united to our Lord may thank him simply for for his visit, act of thanksgiving, of offering, as we usually do for a sacramental communion. What we need to avoid, of course, when we make and repeat those spiritual communions throughout the day is to avoid those two dangers all too common to us all, the routine and the hurry. Make sure you put yourself in the presence of God. Take your time. Be rested before you made that act of union. This, in few words, my dear friends, is the practice of spiritual communion, such a sanctifying and simple exercise that one wonders it is not more popular. There is nothing also to limit its frequency. We can make a spiritual communion several times in the day, each time the spiritual union with God increases the virtue of charity in us, kindles our fervor in God's service. Yes, God wants us to become holy, and his providence always provides the means to become holy. If we are unable to receive communion sacramentally, holy communion, the Holy Eucharist, With this desire of union with God, we may still open our soul spiritually and participate in the wondrous fruits of Holy Communion. Let me finish with a quote of our Lord, again from the discourse on the Bread of Life. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. I will raise him on the last day.